0: And uh, I've known the vineyard all those years. And uh, what astounds me the most, I think, is that Chris and Fliss, particularly Fliss, have hardly changed in 25 years. And I can only think, <laughs> I can only think it's the coffee that they drink because they do drink a lot of coffee. You, you might not know that. If you've ever been in the offices, they've got the great coffee machines. But as for you lot, I mean, not you, but the church, boy, you've changed. You've really changed. I've seen as a friend, as a, as a kind of a, a guest coming into the vineyard every month or two for over the last 25 years, you know, how you have developed and you have become a cracking church. I mean, you always were a great church, but you're really, seriously, a very good church. And I can't tell you how many people I recommend to come here. Neighbors, friends, people I bump into, people struggling, people wanting to know God, know God more... You're top of my list of recommended churches. So St. Albans needs you. Keep it up. Thank you so much for what you do here. It's just brilliant. Um, I got away without an introduction today. Some of you don't know me, some of you do, because I've spoken here a few times. Um, But I'm a Catholic with an F. A Catholic, okay? And uh, uh, I've been working as an evangelist in the Catholic Church for 25 years, so as long as the vineyard have been going, that's how long I've been with the Lord and moving in his spirit on a good day. And um, pray for me, because you know there are a billion Catholics on the planet. I've got a big job, okay? And (laughs) a good percentage, I don't want to be the one to judge, uh, but a good percentage, no, a bad percentage of that billion Catholics do not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And they've got to know him, haven't they? And so please pray for me. And just a quick plug. You know, I think it's Wednesday. Things kick off in the Vatican. Would you pray that we get holy smoke coming up that chimney? Okay. Um, we've had five popes in my lifetime. And I've studied their writings. They have been serious men of God. Men who love Jesus with a passion have been prepared to carry a very, very heavy cross because of Jesus. So we need another one of those, so please pray. But because I'm a Catholic and my family are Catholic, we are in the middle of Lent Some of you shuddered even at the word Lent because you were brought up in my kind of church. Lent, as many of you know, is a six-week period that runs up to Easter every year. And during those six weeks, we in the Catholic Church and the Anglican Church are supposed to do three things more. We're supposed to pray more, we're supposed to fast more, and we're supposed to give more money. I was deeply moved by what I saw here last week with giving money. Those of you who are here, you know what I'm talking about. Deeply moved. And I'm not very good at Lent. Those three things, okay? But we're in the middle of Lent. And as I was chomping through yet another bacon sandwich without ketchup. (laughs) The other morning. Have you tried that? It's tough. It's tough. I suddenly realized that you guys don't do Lent. And I chatted to my kids. They said, that's not fair. For 52 weeks of the year, you get donuts. Donuts. <laughs> Jam. Okay. So uh, I spoke to Karen in the office and the team here, and we have decided to bring Lent to you today. And um, just to let you know, the donuts are cancelled. You are fasting today. Some of you are looking horrified. Sugar addicts looking very worried. I'm joking with you. I'm joking with you. But just to say, you know, Lent, I know it can be abused. I know it can get all religious. I know, all right? But in essence, Lent is a great thing because what Lent is about is about giving God space to change us. It's making a season, a long season, (laughs) I have to tell you, in your life, busy life, to say, God, would you change me? Because God wants to change us. Reminds me of a dodgy joke, and I think I got it from Chris Lane, so you've probably heard it. He's my source of most of my dodgy jokes. um, About Julie. Julie was in her mid-50s, sadly rushed into hospital, and died uh, within a few hours. She went to glory. She went through those pearly gates. She saw the Lord. She ran up to the Lord and said, Lord, I was not ready for that. There are many things undone still in my life. Please, would you just give me a bit more time to sort things out? The Lord was compassionate, and he said, Julie, I'll give you 10 more years. She was back in her body to the surprise of the medical staff, and as she's recuperating in hospital, she looked in the mirror, and she realized that, like myself, she's in her mid-50s and past her best. So she decided to blow all of her life savings on cosmetic surgery, and she went for the full Monty. She went for the facelift. You know, it's amazing what they can lift these days, right? <laughs> She went for everything, and she left hospital a few days later looking stunning. Not a day over 43. Two days later, she is crossing the road and gets hit by a double-decker bus and killed. And she's back in heaven. She sees the Lord. She storms up to him, and she gives him a right ticking off and said, Lord, I thought you said I'd have 10 more years. And the Lord turned to her and said, Oh, Julie, I'm sorry I didn't recognize you. (laughs) There you go. It's a Chris Lane joke. and round of applause Chris. (laughs) But you see, we've all got to change, haven't we? There's not one of you here that doesn't need to change. God wants to change us from one degree of glory to the next. I heard a wonderful story, I don't know if it's true or not, I like to think it is, of a little boy walking through the back streets of Rome. I love Rome, it's just a wonderful place. Uh, This was many centuries ago, and he stumbled across a famous sculptor working in one of those little piazzas. And the little boy sat down and was spellbound to see this sculptor working on a huge block of marble. And he chipped away, and slowly but surely, this marble turned into a beautiful elephant. And at the end of the day, the little boy ran down the road after the famous sculptor and said, Excuse me, sir, but how do you do that? And the sculptor turned and said, Son, it's easy. Every bit of marble that doesn't look like an elephant, I chip it off. And you know, the Holy Spirit is the divine sculptor. And you are that block of marble. And the Holy Spirit wants to chop off you, chip off you. Every bit of you that doesn't look like, think like, love like Jesus. Every bit of you that doesn't reach out like Jesus to the people around you. Every bit of you that doesn't give like Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to chip that off. You know, if you want a blueprint of what that sculptor uh, is working on for you, this is what he wants you to look like. In fact, the whole of the scriptures, but let me just pick on one little blueprint. I know you know it. Some of you have had it read at your weddings, and it comes from Corinthians uh, thirteen. 1 Corinthians 13. This is the blueprint for your life. Love, is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It doesn't keep record of being wronged. Love never gives up. Love endures even through dire circumstances. That's what God wants you to look like and me to look like. But you know, every little bit of marble that he chips off is actually called sin. That three-letter word, it's a horrible word really, isn't it? It's not very PC these days, although Rick has mentioned it already this morning. But rarely do we hear that word mentioned. You know, it's been airbrushed out of our culture, hasn't it? We don't talk about sin. We don't like talking about sin. We say we have uh, psychological flaws, or we make mistakes. You know, we slip up. Occasionally, it's not PC. I, I read um, only this week somebody important saying that you know in today's culture we fear many things, but we no longer fear sin. Somebody else important wrote that so often we treat sin like strawberry cheesecake, when we should be treating it like a rattlesnake, because sin kills us. Sin is horrible sin strangles our relationship with a loving passionate God sin strangles our relationships with each other and ultimately it strangles our very selves you know God hates your sin listen I'm so sorry to be doing this to you I really am. I had a lovely little talk lined up for you. I really did. A Mother's Day talk. It was great. And I'll come back another time maybe. But I felt nudged just to share on this topic. Forgive me if I got the wrong nudge. But um, God loves you. The Father loves you passionately. But he hates your sin. It turns his stomach my sin offends the Father. It grieves the Holy Spirit who lives in me. That's why in the New Testament, 238 times, the Lord speaks to us about sin. You know, there are 13 different words to describe sin in the Bible, four in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, and there are nine Greek words. Describing sin. God comes at this from every angle. And I did a bit of a Bible study on those nine Greek words. It was harsh, I tell you. You know, and I kind of dodged the first one, kind of, that's not me, you know. And then I dodged the second, third one, I was nailed. Busted. And it went downhill from then on. I'll tell you the one that got me. One of the Greek words for, uh, for sin is missing the mark. And it comes from archery or darts. I'm playing darts with my boy at the moment. But it comes from archery. When the arrow misses the bullseye, it's missing the mark. And one of the descriptions of sin is that when you and me miss the mark in our relationship with husband or wife or partner, when we miss the mark in our relationship to our parents or our children, when we miss the mark in our work environment, when we miss the mark in our prayer life, when we miss the mark in our financial life, our sexual life, our, our eating, our socializing, our speaking, when we miss the mark, that is sin. Ouch. <laughs> and there's another one uh, that got me after that. When it, and it, this Greek word kind of talks about a, a reluctance to let go of the past. You see, sometimes we don't do the sin, but we think about doing it. We kinda wish we were doing it. You know, we kinda hang on to to ways of thinking from pre-Christian days. And you know, the past has a nasty habit of catching us out. Uh, This is a true story. My brother-in-law works with addicts, and he was working up in London, he's Italian, and uh, was visiting an Italian drug addict, and, uh, he spoke he spoke to my wife he said, "Yeah, you know, I went to see this guy and there was this really dodgy geezer sitting in the living room in the shadows, didn't say a word." Now my brother-in-law's Italian, he's used to dodgy geezers, and he, you know, he just thought he really he really wasn't like there was something really dodgy about this guy. The next week, my brother-in-law read in the Evening Standard front page, uh, "Mafia hitman arrested in East End of London." And he saw the picture and it was him believe it this was the guy and this guy had been on the run for three years he was he was a nasty piece of work and you know how interpol caught him they followed mama's panettone christmas cake now if you're italian you know that the boy is always mama's boy and they've got to have the right Christmas cake. Mama always has to get the right Christmas cake. It's called panettone. It's a lovely cake. You can buy them in the Italian shops down the road. And so the police traced it through the post because they noticed that Mama was sending the panettone to a hitman's son. And that's how the police got him because he had a, a tie to the past. What's your panettone? What's my panettone? What is it that nails us? What is it that... You know, St. Augustine, one of the fathers of the early church, a great theologian, he said this, which I am deeply challenged by. He said, there is no difference between a bird that is chained by a thick iron chain or a bird that is tied to the ground by a single gold thread. The result is the same. The bird can't fly. Now, I don't know if you are chained to the ground because you are a compulsive bank robber. Not a lot of money in the banks these days, but keep going, you never know. (laughs) Or whether you're tied to the ground by the single gold thread of irritability, impatience, control, pride, cowardliness. I'm describing myself now, okay? I don't know if you're tied to the ground by the chain or the cord, but the result is the same. We can't fly. We have been created to fly like eagles. We've been created to fly through life to the full, as it were. That's God's plan for you, and that's God's plan for me. And yet so much of my life I'm grounded, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I need help you need help, I need rescuing, I need freeing, I need saving, and that's what we're about here, isn't it? John 3, 16, we know that beautiful scripture, for God so loved the world that he sent his son to free the birds. It doesn't say that, but it should do. Uh, (laughs) Jesus, what a man, Jesus of Nazareth, The world has never seen anything like that man. Culture has been shaped by that man who walked on this planet 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. People went days on end without food just to be in his presence. He was so charismatic. He was the holy man. But I'm telling you that that wasn't enough you and me to fly, for Jesus to be a holy man, in fact, just makes matters worse, because if you try following a holy man, you just feel even more lousy about yourself, don't you? If, you, if you see this guy flying around and you can't get off the ground to be like him, how does that make you feel? That's not what Christianity is about, I'm going to show you a DVD, if you've got kids in here, it's quite shocking, I'm sorry, I thought they'd all be out, it's not 18, but um, Maybe we could just watch it. This. this is what set the birds free. Okay. Thanks, guys. That was not an accident. That was not a rip-off. That was a pre-planned rescue operation for you and for me. You see, the reality is... Scripture clearly tells us that we cannot DIY our way out of sin. We can't free ourselves. We're trapped. We needed help. Jesus, on that cross, poured out a supernatural cleansing agent for you and me. The most precious the most powerful substance in the universe was poured out on the cross. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is pure. It's God's life poured out. And it washes away all known sins. There is not a single sin that you can do or think of doing that cannot be washed completely by that blood. You see, that blood was mingled with the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago. The Holy Spirit was there at the center of that crucifixion. And the Holy Spirit took that blood and has been pouring it out every day, 24-7, in Beijing, Brussels, Birmingham, That blood is flowing right now here in this church. It's flowing in Morrisons. It's flowing in every prison in this land. It's flowing in hospitals. It's flowing on football pitches. Right now, the blood of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit, is everywhere. You don't have to climb a mountain. You don't have to crawl on your knees to be able to stand under the shower of the blood of Jesus and be washed completely clean. Scripture uh, uses many different analogies for that, but the one I like the most is that, that when by faith we come humbly and stand under that shower, that fountain that has been opened for us, that our slate is wiped clean. When the Uh, Original scriptures were written, they were written on papyrus, and the ink that they used didn't have acid in it. And so with a simple sponge, you could completely wipe away all the writing from the papyrus. It's a bit like hitting the wrong button on the laptop, isn't it? Completely, and that's what uh, the scriptures are telling us can happen for you and I. So let me finish. The big question is how can we get that truth from the Bible, from the pulpit, into our hearts where we need it? How can we get the the relief? How can we get the, the effect of that truth into our everyday lives? And it's simple. It's been said that every human heart has two keys to it. God the Father has one key. And he amazingly has trusted us enough with the other key. And that key that you and I hold that needs to be placed and open our heart with is a deep, meaningful repentance and sorrow for sin. That's the key. A priest once told me, he said, be very specific with your repentance and God will be very specific with his forgiveness. So when should we do this? When should we have the shower? Not just in Lent. Okay. Every day. Scripture tells us, every day, at least once a day. Some of you need it twice a day. I do. Cuz if we don't have the shower, we get kind of smelly, okay? We need to come before God every day and stand under that shower with repentant hearts and say, "I'm sorry for the anger." In my heart towards that person. I am sorry. For bottling out. For being a coward. In that situation. I am sorry for the jealousy. And the envy. Uh, with that guy at work. Or that mum down the road. Who just seems to be super mum. And I just feel so lousy. And she's you know. You know the things. Right? Every day. But occasionally. Stuff sticks. And we can't shift it. My wife's Italian, as I mentioned, I don't know if you know about Italians, but one of the great features of Italians is they don't like germs, okay? So my wife's kitchen, its our kitchen, is sparkling, okay? So she walks around armed with the spray thing all the time, you know, like this, and it's dangerous in the kitchen. But, you know, she does that every day, but some stains, they just kind of, you know, especially from the... Bacon sandwich with no ketchup, fry up kind of thing, you know, some of those stains. So once a week she comes out with the bazooka. You know, this, this sucker, it's something bang, what is it, silly, bad, I don't know, you know, one drop on your Levi's and you throw them away. Even the dog runs when he sees her with this thing, you know. And she goes for the, for the tough stains. And it's a bit like that with sin in our lives. Every day we can kind of clean up, but some things just get stuck, some big sins. Some repetitive sins, and the Bible gives us a strategy for dealing with those. Anyone know what it is? That strategy is to confess your sin one to another. To go to a brother, go to a sister. If it's a tough stain, go to an elder, go to your pastor, and to speak it out. Now, as a Catholic, of course, we have a system for this. And I know it can be abused and all of that stuff, but it can be the most liberating thing. To hear my pastor, a man of faith, if I choose one carefully, when my faith is weak because my sin is big and I go to the pastor and I speak it out and to hear my pastor minister the blood of Jesus upon me and to say, David, don't you know that your sin is forgiven now? It can be life-changing. And that's a biblical strategy for dealing with the the tough stains. And you know, let me just say again as we finish, there is no stain, no stain too big for the blood of Jesus. I heard a bishop was in Rome. They had a, a big synod council on evangelism a couple of months ago. It's big news for the Catholic Church. And bishops from all around the world, and uh, they had five minutes to speak in the Vatican after five minutes, it's going to happen to me in about one minute. They pull the plug. It's amazing, isn't it? You can be mid-flow. You can be a cardinal. Five minutes is up. It's just incredible. Anyway, so they're all talking. And this African bishop stood up. And this is what he said in the context of evangelism, because this is an evangelistic message. He said, I had to go and visit men on death row in the capital of my small West African country. And he said, death row in my country is not like death row in your country. He said it was a smelly, dark pit underneath the prison. No windows, no ventilation. He said as he walked down there, the stench made him wretch. He was so frightened about going to visit these men. 20 or so men chained up underneath the prison on death row. And as he walked in, he was struck by two things. Firstly, the joy in that cave. And then he noticed that many of them had rosary beads around their necks. And his heart sank. He said, oh, no. why is it that prisons are always full of Catholics? Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's true, they are. And, and he mentioned this to one of the prisoners there. And this is what the prisoner said. He said, Bishop, he said, we weren't Catholic. We weren't Christian when we came in here. But there were two Christian men, happened to be Catholic, who introduced us, who witnessed to us about the loving mercy of God the Father. And these men were approaching death, having done some dreadful things, no doubt, with peace and with joy because of the blood of Jesus. Shall we stand? Sorry to do this to you. You'd much rather had a Mother's Day talk, wouldn't you? I'm only really sorry. Let's just stand. The band are coming back. I just thought some of you need a shower. Okay. I'm not being rude. And it uh, might be a while since you've had a shower. Maybe some of you have come here today. And you never had a shower, this kind of shower. Maybe you're just checking out Christianity. Well, I'm sorry if I threw you in the deep end today, but that's the bottom line. That's why I'm a Christian. It's not so I can give up ketchup. It's not so I can go to church on a Sunday and drag the kids who don't wanna go often. That's not why I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian because of that. Because I have experienced incredible freedom in my life. I was an addict myself and uh, done a lot of terrible things. Still do a lot of terrible things. And yet, that blood Day after day, week after week, washes me. I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit. Maybe just close your eyes just for one minute. Let's invite the Holy Spirit, the sculptor, to come and just to convict us lovingly if there's anything that we just need to say sorry to God for as we worship in this last song. Holy Spirit, would you come? We invite you. We open the book we open our hearts would you show us if there's anything you want us just to be clean from today come Holy Spirit now come Holy Spirit shine your light now show us where we're chained or where we're tied with the gold cord Father, we want to be free. We want to fly. We want to fly, Father. Release the bird. Release the birds, Father. Okay. We're going to sing Majesty. It's a beautiful song. It talks about the blood. We're going to sing about the blood. And just invite you, just if something came to mind in this song, just give it. Give it to Jesus. At the end, the ministry team will be over here on my right and your left, as they say. If you need to go and get something dealt with, if you need the tough stain rubbed out of your life, go see these guys. You can very confidentially share anything and they will minister the blood of Jesus and you'll fly out of here, I promise you.